Hello everyone, my name is Francis. And I'm Shifra. We are currently in our first year of our Master's Degree in Human Nutrition and Dietetics at University College Cork and we would like to welcome you to our podcast, UCC Student Dietitians. In this three-part series we're going to be talking all things menopause and nutrition. Why a podcast on menopause? So as this is our first clinical placement and we're being supervised by Dr. Samantha Cushion and our main area of research is cancer survivorship at the moment and one of our main teams is menopause so we thought it would be a good way to educate ourselves and educate the public in a podcast. Yeah, and definitely this is an area that we need to talk more about as a nation. Because in a recent national survey on the public's understanding of the topic, three in four Irish men and women feel that menopause is misunderstood and just slightly less feel that it's not sufficiently openly discussed, which is not right. The government launched a campaign last year titled Take the Mystery Out of Menopause. We hope that our podcast can continue the conversation around menopause while serving as a reliable source of information and giving an insight into the role of nutrition in improving menopausal health. Yeah, so I even know for myself coming into college, I had no idea really what menopause was. I hold my hand up. So I know a lot of our listeners are probably in the same situation. Yeah, and as a female, I also wasn't that aware. So it's definitely something we need to talk more about. Yeah, so what is menopause? Well, technically speaking, menopause is 12 months after a woman's last menstrual period and is marked by the decline in hormones produced by the overlease, particularly estrogen. The lead up to menopause is known as perimenopause, and peri is just a medical term for around the time of. So during perimenopause, a woman may still get a period, but can experience some menopausal symptoms. Yeah, so they're the official definitions. But what is the public's understanding of menopause? Well, we headed over to Fitzgerald's Park to ask them firsthand, and we got a few interesting answers. No, not really. No, I don't like that. No, and if you were to describe it in one sentence, could you do that at all? No, I wouldn't be able to be honest with you, like, I'm not sure of it. So it's a phase of life that a woman goes through, or a stage that a woman goes through. What I think it is, is when it's, what it, well, you can get early menopause too, I know that, but usually in mature women, uh, when they start, when the, um, their periods start becoming less and less frequent and ultimately stopping, uh, and they're unable then, at that stage, to be having any more kids. Have you, Dad? Yeah, just like it's just the 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 end of the female reproductive cycle, um, where the uh, ovulation becomes less frequent and eventually stops completely. And uh, hormone, there's hormonal changes as well. There's less e- they need to, eat to replace estrogen because there's less estrogen or estrogen stops being produced. And yeah, it and it affects their whole body, not just in a reproductive sense, like you know. And menopause is when a woman goes through a cycle in her life where. She gets mood, sweats, um, uh, that's all I know anyway of it. Um, she's, that's basically, I don't, how could I say it? Is their bodies changing? They're, they're, um, I can't exactly say it in words, it's just their bodies changing. No, they don't perfect. get periods or anything anymore. It's the hormone change of women in their early 50s. Yeah, so as you heard there, there was a good mix of responses there. And something that stood out to me was that one of the men mentioned that menopause affects mature women. And this isn't always the case, and it's probably a common misconception. So like a small number of women, about 1%, can experience early menopause, which is when the periods stop before the age of 45. And menopause can also be induced by cancer treatments or surgery. And the difference between natural menopause and medically induced menopause is something that we're going to discuss in more detail on our next episode. So... 
sure to tune into that if it's something you'd like to know more about. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that episode, but let's get back to today. Next, we're going to look at the symptoms of menopause. But before we do, let's hear what the public had to say when we asked them to name one symptom of menopause. So I, I suppose what commonly is known for women, and I suppose I would have experienced it myself, but it would be the hot sweats at night. But there's also a mental aspect of it. And I think there is a greater awareness of it, but certainly just being for women to be aware that they may feel anxiety or depression during that period. Hot flushes. Have you one? I'd say uh, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble now with all the women. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd get maybe a bit irritated. Sweats, yeah. moods. Uh, anxiety, um, low, uh, low moods and short outbursts. Could have outbursts and things. Yeah. Tiredness. So the public picked up on some of the most common menopausal symptoms, like the classic hot flushes, night sweats and mood changes. But something that shocked me was that there are actually over 40 menopausal symptoms. That's because every cell in the body has estrogen receptors, meaning every system in the body can be affected by low levels of estrogen during menopause. Brain fog, sleep disturbances, loss of confidence, joint pain. I'm reading out from a long list here. They're all distressing but often overlooked symptoms of menopause. Perhaps what makes menopause most confusing is that the experience is highly individual. Some women experience mild, infrequent or no symptoms, while others are more severely affected. Irish data shows that almost 80% of women will experience menopausal symptoms, with the average woman experiencing up to seven symptoms simultaneously. As dietetic students, we're naturally curious about the role of diet and menopause and whether the public thinks what you eat is important or not during the menopause. So here's what they had to say. It's hugely important. I, I think it needs to be a holistic approach. So it's the exercise, the mental aspect of it, and absolutely the dietary side of it as well. I couldn't say well. I couldn't say whether it does or not. Really, I wouldn't have an. I couldn't have an opinion on it or view on it. Being honest, I I wouldn't know either. To be honest, I'd say it probably does. You know, like, but I wouldn't know any specifics about it. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose it would, but not a whole lot either, because I just think it's a chemical, it's just something that the body is going through. It could help a small bit. Yeah. No. So some more interesting comments there about nutrition and menopause. And Shifra, I just know from, from what we were talking about and discussing after, we, we just seemed like the public didn't have a clue and were really like some knew and some didn't. So there was a lot of misunderstanding around the point. So do you want to go into it though? Yeah, I think none of the men knew. And while one woman mentioned the holistic approach to the management of menopause, another was adamant that nutrition doesn't matter during menopause. So really lots of confusion there that hopefully our podcast can clear up. I think the lack of understanding of the role of diet in menopause can be explained by the lack of understanding of menopausal health in general. It isn't just about getting through the night sweats, mood swings and insomnia. As you mentioned... Once a woman has had no periods for 12 months, she is considered postmenopausal. Therefore, menopause isn't something that you go through, but something you enter into. You may be through the worst of your symptoms, but you don't actually come out the other side. That's because menopause is a time of major metabolic upheaval, which can have long-term impacts on health. In this episode, we are going to look at the impact of menopause on heart and bone health. Why don't we do this as Q&A style? 
So, Francis, tell me how the menopause affects heart health. Well, as we age anyway, heart health and bone health is obviously very important, but it's more important during this stage of the life for menopausal women. So, menopausal and postmenopausal women are an increased risk of heart disease, and this is just a general term for conditions affecting the heart and blood vessels. In fact, about 35% of women women's deaths each year are caused by heart disease. Wow, that's shocking. Oh, yeah, it is a lot. Um, it's something I obviously didn't know until I'd done my research on this. And a woman's risk of heart disease increases fivefold during menopause as well. Yeah, I think most worry more about breast cancer than they do about heart health. But after hearing those statistics, I'd be pretty worried about my heart. Yeah, so like the risk of heart disease goes up during menopause due to estrogen which is an important hormone that is considered to protect the heart. So, as I mentioned before, um, with the decrease in oestrogen, there is an increase in the risk of heart disease. And also, a fall in oestrogen can increase bad cholesterol in the body, and with both of these being risk factors then for heart disease. So, diet and lifestyle changes can help alleviate the symptoms uh, and decrease the risk of heart disease. So, as I mentioned before, eating a heart-healthy diet is especially important during this stage. When you say a heart-healthy diet, what does that mean? Um, well, the Mediterranean diet is uh, the most well-studied diet to support heart health, but I don't want to confuse our listeners and whoever's tuning in with random diets and so on. But in simple terms, this diet does not differ much from the general healthy eating guidelines. The, you mean like the food pyramid? Um, yeah, so there should be, a, yeah, like the food pyramid, exactly. Like we've all heard of that before, like some of you may not have learned about the mediterranean diet but so there should be a big focus on like fruits and vegetables foods like beans lentils and salted nuts um also whole grains whole wheat brown varieties choosing leaner cuts of meat and um, such as poultry over say red meat and so on is also better for your heart something you mentioned earlier was that bad cholesterol and high levels of it is a risk factor for heart disease can you tell the listeners what foods contribute to high levels of bad cholesterol in the body well, one of the main drivers for high cholesterol is the overconsumption of unhealthy fats, such as um, saturated fats and trans fats. So foods like butter, biscuits and other meats like rashers, you know, deli meats. So I would suggest would be using products such as unsaturated oils, such as olive oils, or try limiting snacks throughout the day and switch to higher fibre foods like the ones I've already mentioned. Social media and the media in general is full of superfoods for heart health. Do these actually exist? No, there's there's no special food group for heart health or menopause, unfortunately. And the general healthy eating guidelines may be like considered boring advice. Like this is probably something you've heard before over and over. However, it has been proven to work the best in terms of health and symptom relief. Yeah, and I think that's something as dietitians we know that a healthy and balanced diet will never grab the headlines. But it's true that balance is the key to health. Yeah, and for sure, but it's not what people want to hear. What about bone health? How does the menopause affect your bones? Your bones warrant the same attention as your heart during the menopause. That's because, did you know that around one in two women over 50 will break a bone due to osteoporosis? Yeah, I didn't know that actually, no, genuinely. Yeah, it's shocking, and perhaps most worryingly is the fact that it's a silent disease, with most women not noticing any changes until they actually break a bone. And by that stage, the damage has been done. What's more, a woman's risk of breaking a hip is equal to her combined risk of breast, uterine and ovarian cancer. That's why we're stressing it today, is that your bones are so important. Luckily, there's lots of 
lifestyle changes you can make that can minimise bone loss during menopause. As dietitians, why don't we look at this in the form of a recipe? The recipe for good bone health has three key ingredients, calcium, vitamin D and weight-bearing exercise. Let's look at calcium first. Some of listeners might remember the catchy advert, them bones, them bones need calcium. And this message hasn't changed when it comes to keeping your bones healthy and strong. If you don't get enough calcium in your diet, your body will take it from your bones. Menopausal women need around 800 milligrams of calcium per day, which equates to back to that food pyramid you were mentioning earlier, Francis, three servings of milk, cheese and yogurt daily. A serving equates to a glass of milk, a matchbox of cheese or a small pot of yogurt. Any combination works to meet your calcium needs. Well, I know in this day and age, there's more diets are becoming more popular, say, like so, such as the vegan diet. So if a woman doesn't eat dairy, are there any foods she can eat to get her calcium in? Yeah, well, dairy products are the best sources of calcium, but you can certainly get calcium from non-dairy sources too. Definitely, as you mentioned, the plant-based alternatives to dairy are growing in popularity. But it's important that if women are choosing these products, that they check that they have added calcium and vitamin D first. Why is vitamin D important? Vitamin D is important to absorb the calcium from the foods you eat. The best source of it is sunlight, which is why you may hear it being called a sunshine vitamin. It's also found in foods like oily fish, eggs and fortified milk. But generally, we don't get enough of it from food. And of course, here in Ireland, we also don't get enough sun, certainly over the winter months anyway. Therefore, a 10 to 15 microgram vitamin D3 supplement is recommended by the Department of Health to ensure adequate intake. And I suppose apart from supplements and food, is there anything else that you can do for your bone health? Yeah, there is, and it's something you do regularly. Weight-bearing exercise is the last key ingredient for bone health. When you say weight-bearing, what does that mean? Because when I first heard the term, I didn't have a clue what it actually meant. Weight-bearing exercise is your resistance training like you do in the gym, but it's also any activity where you need to move your body against gravity. So things like walking, running, tennis, sport, dancing. These activities all help build bone by nudging the bone-building cells into action. So things like swimming and cycling, while great for building aerobic fitness, don't load the bones. So if you are going for a swim and cycle, be sure to include some weight-bearing ones to keep your bones and your heart healthy and strong. It also doesn't have to be formal exercise. Gardening or walking up the stairs are easy ways to incorporate more weight-bearing exercise into your life if, unlike Francis, hitting the gym isn't for you. Yeah, so I suppose to summarise everything we just mentioned and why nutrition is important in menopause, as the points we already mentioned, true bone cardiovascular disease, so that's what I was referring to as heart disease. If you implement some of the like nutritional strategies or the way we were talking about food during this stage of your life, it will be good for you, obviously, and it will relieve some of the symptoms and so on. And the same with the exercise Schieffer was mentioning, like, Weight-bearing exercise as well as regular exercise, so aerobic. So aerobic is good for your heart and then weight-bearing is good for your bones. So it goes hand-in-hand with diet. You know, a good balanced diet is the same as good balanced exercise regime. You need both. So is there anything you'd like to add on the topic, Chief? Yeah, I think you summed it up there. We want our exercise. We want to watch our fat intake, getting more of those healthy fats and limiting our unhealthy fats. And then we want to focus on the vitamin D and the calcium. We hope you enjoy listening to our podcast today and we hope it helped increase your understanding of the menopause and how nutrition can improve menopausal symptoms. 
And if you found it helpful, please share the podcast with friends and family. And be sure to tune into next week's episode where we chat to a registered dietitian and PhD candidate, Katie Johnson, to hear about her experience working with menopausal female cancer survivors.